This series of the For All Mankind podcast is brought to you by the Gardner Family Apothecary. Caring for your sensitive skin with the Elav and Ovel solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel's Silcox base to Elav's Sensitive Beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of their news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro. Hello and welcome to From Unkind, the podcast. Today's guest is a life and parent coach. She's a teacher and a mum to three boys. It's Rachel Smith. How are you doing, Rachel? Hi, Pamela. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I am doing very, very well. Um, we're on our Easter holidays here from school, so um, we've been eating all the chocolate and I'm just delighted to get some time to myself away from my boys for the, for the next hour. Uh, yes, yeah, so you've got the three boys. How's that? Um, well, I have Adam is uh, eight, he'll be nine in May. I have Ryan is seven and I have Luke who's almost four. So as you can imagine, it's busy, it's noisy, it's dirty. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, like definitely we're a very active family. We're out all the time for walks. Um, it's lovely to just have the time off school for them to be at home. Um, and obviously they've been in school and out of school with, with COVID. So really we've been just um, burning off the energy as much as we can and, and having yeah. picnics and having movie nights. We actually watched Back to the Future last night, which I oh, absolutely classic. loved. Yeah, we watched <laughs> the second one last night. Um, so yeah, we're kind of coming out of the woods a little bit, I think, because, you know, sometimes in my head, I still think we're in that sort of frantic you know when they're they're very young because there was 19 months between my first two but we're definitely coming out of it now I mean bedtime routines are okay and there's no big pack up when you're going somewhere so um yeah I actually said to my husband the other day if he could press pause on this age I think we'd be good for a few years (laughs) so yeah (laughs) so where you are in in the kind of the kids is kind of where I aspire to be because I'm the opposite I am like going out the door it's like potties couple of bags like bags of snacks it's just I, the boot of the car yeah. is like heaving with stuff when we need to go anywhere um so yeah I aspire to be uh to have the kids where you can maybe take a one bag out the door yes. and, and and that's all I need I remember when my second son was born um we had one bag you know the changing bag and you've got all yeah. the bits and pieces and my husband thought he was like crazy for buying stuff and he thought it'd be a great idea to have a bag each so I was like well that's okay the weekend when we're going out together but when I was going out my own I would have one little fella in the carry top thing the other toddler like waddling out to the car I'd have these two bags it was just crazy and you know sometimes I know how hard it is to get out the door especially with the children your age sometimes you feel like it's easier to say oh we won't bother you know we'll just stay around but I was always someone who I liked getting out I you know I needed to stick it out I needed to be with people I joined all the toddler groups and the parent groups and the baby yoga and that was easier when I had my first but then when you have yeah. your second 
it's definitely harder because you might go and visit a friend but just kind of spend the whole time like changing nappies and you know <laughs> feeding them and you know check that they're not climbing up the stairs or whatever so um but as everybody says Pamela like it just goes so fast so you oh, will get yeah. there eventually yeah yeah <laughs> and Rachel with the tree then what transition do you think was the hardest like going from zero to one one to two or two to three um I think they they were all very different. I mean, I suppose with with Adam, um, we had just got married in twenty ten, and then uh, twenty twelve, Adam came along, and um, it's it's funny actually that we're we're speaking tonight because I had memory boxes for the boys upstairs, and I took them down today and I had bought these plastic um, containers because I want to put them up in the attic and I went through the boxes with them and I actually found this little kind of I don't know like little diary entries that I made before I had Adam and in it was a little poem I'm sure I, I can't remember but it was things like you know these are my last few days with you and my tummy and it's our private time together and then I kind of documented the first few days of his life about having him but it was a letter to him so I read through that and I we found all the old scan pictures and a lock of hair. Ryan thought it was hilarious that I had a lock of his <laughs> hair. And all these things that I had forgotten about. Now, the third boy, Luke, he doesn't have as much stuff in the memory box because you kind of get less conscientious as they get older, you know. So um, so it, it was it was only afterwards I did that and I said, oh my God, I wonder am I doing this because I'm speaking to Pamela. I was trying to remind myself what it was like. So definitely the excitement the nervousness of having um, a new baby. Um, but I was very relaxed from the beginning. I think like my pregnancy went really well. Um, I was very much kind of go with the flow, um, see what happens. I didn't really worry about things at all. Um, and Adam came into the world and everything was was great. And then, um, yeah, there was definitely adjustments, but I, we were ready. We were ready to have him. And my, there's 15 years between myself and my sister. So I would have remembered like my sister in the house and I would have helped probably not as much as my mom expected me to but I was used to babies been there and, and changing nappies and then my husband had a lot of nephews so we were used to being our own kids and of course I was a teacher so I knew that I had made all my mistakes with other <laughs> other parents children down the road so I knew having my own I knew what it was like and then I suppose having Ryan was a different kettle of fish because you know, there was 19 months between them. I, I was pregnant when Adam was only 10 months old and I was thinking, oh, you know, this is going to be fine because Adam is so easy. And and then Adam started walking and I, I you know, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't aware of the world of toddlers. So definitely going from one to two was a big transition. And I suppose it was at that time that um, I really started becoming interested in um, personal development because I was overwhelmed a lot of the time I was um quite resentful of my husband to be honest because my life had changed completely and you know I had Ryan in the winter time um on Christmas day actually one of the best gifts I ever got and um so it was a lot of dark mornings feeding like when it, it just seemed to be dark all the time you try and get out yeah. with the two of them and it would be raining and it would be miserable and then you know you couldn't pop over to Liffey Valley like you used to because you had to like it was no fun going to Liffey Valley with, with a toddler and a new baby so I, I I remember kind of searching at that stage like for something to help me and I remember starting a yoga class I had been into pregnancy yoga and I remember going to um this yoga class down in Lucan and it was called restorative yoga and it was literally like you know 
you went into the room and there was all these like lovely smells and you brought your blanket and it was you know lie down and we lay down for like for 10 minutes and then it's like roll to the side and lie there for 10 minutes and it was you know so slow there was no like I think I probably splashed water on my face and I came home to show my <laughs> husband that I had a workout but it was really all about um it was that one day a week where I was completely wound up and then I would go to that class and it was like all the tension was kind of released and I was relaxed and I was kind of taking proper deep breaths. I think I was just on absolute overdrive, like on the on the hamster wheel. And um, I remember saying to myself, God, like, you know, this is for one hour a week. What if I could try and plot, you know, even 10 minutes of this in my day every day at home that I don't have to go somewhere? So I started becoming interested in meditation and yoga and self-care and personal development and helping myself with how I was thinking and you know I, I was just very very interested and curious about how I could manage this difference because you know I had seen friends that had children and seemed really really relaxed and then I had other friends who had children and they seemed really really stressed so I kind of wanted to figure out what I could do to help myself and then I suppose then when Luke came along he was my third son he was uh, there was a three and a half year gap so he just slotted in like he just it's like he's been around forever. So, yeah, I suppose each as you have each child um, it brings different challenges. And, you know, when you've got two children, obviously, if there's two parents, um, you know, it's one each. Whereas when it's only one, it's kind of, you know, you, there's a lot more freedom to take time. But I suppose it was a huge shift because, as I mentioned, you know, my husband was still playing football and meeting friends and things like that. And I just was too exhausted to do it too tired I didn't really know what I wanted to do I wasn't really sure what I enjoyed because before that it was all you know nights out and restaurants and going away on holidays and that was kind of my my social club yeah. but when that was taken away I certainly felt quite isolated and I remember um I had Adam in 2012 and I certainly didn't hear I, I didn't know anything about Spotify or podcasts and I used to listen to Ray Darcy yeah. And he would be on between nine and 12. And it was sort of my first introduction to kind of listening to people in that way. It would have always been music beforehand. And I'd, he'd have great guests on. And I remember listening to the guests. But then every conversation I had was like, oh, I'm Ray Darcy. Such and such a person was on. And I'm Ray Darcy. Such and such a person. And I was saying, it's like Ray Darcy is my new best friend. So I used to say, oh, I, you know, oh, I read in a newspaper about this person or that. Because I didn't want people to think the only person I was talking or listening to was Ray Darcy. So, uh, you know, it was that kind of sense, again, of... Um, I suppose loneliness to a certain extent, yeah. but I don't think I realized it at the time because I didn't have a chance to think about really anything apart from the next day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Because yeah. it's so busy and you can just get caught up, like you said, and on the wheel of just kind of surviving. And you kind of forget to, that the part of you needs to kind of continually thrive. And to feel like you're, you know, that you're looking after yourself. I saw you have a great analogy of um, filling a jar. Like if you were to look at your day or your week um, in your family life and looking yeah. at them at stones, pebbles and sand and putting them into a jar. Talk to me about that. Mm. Um, well, my absolute passion is 
as I said, personal development and videos and books and podcasts. And I'm always interested in, you know, listening to how people are thriving, as you said, you know, parents, whether it's people who've lost people and people who build businesses and trying to find out what is it that they've done. And I came across this video. So I adapted it for myself. And it's this idea of a jar. And I have a jar. I bought this gorgeous, colorful jar. And in the jar is, you know, sand, pebbles and stones. So if we think about the stones first, so the stones are the big things. So what are the important things in your life? What are your values? What are the things that you like to spend your time on? So for me, it would be having family adventures, um, having fun together. Um, maybe it's reading is something that I love to do, uh, having a movie night going to on days out, spending time with our extended family. So all these things that are, are regular things, but made me feel a lot happier. So for me, it was how can I'm, you know, generally a happy person, but how can I turn that up a little notch? What are the, what are the things that I could do? So for all those little stones, um, they're all the big important things. Now, the next things then are the pebbles. So these are the things that are a little bit less important, but they still need to be done. So they're the things like your housework, um, your washing, your shopping, your cooking, your messages, maybe your emails. So all those things that you feel that, you know, needs to be done. They're not necessarily urgent, but the things that need to be done. And, you know, as you know, when you've got children, there's just so many of these pebbles all over the place. And then the last ones then is the sand and the sand are the, the sand is the things that kind of use up our time and we can spend a lot of time on these things, but they're not necessarily things that will bring us more happiness or will kind of get our things on our to-do list or will bring us joy. So these are things like scrolling on social media and uh, maybe watching like way too much television uh maybe spending way too much stay way too much time staying up late lining in the morning time kind of feeling sluggish not being able to get out of the bed it's all those things that kind of take our time gossiping um you know things that we do that sort of drain us so when you think about those things if you try and put a lot of sand into that jar which is the things that drain us but don't necessarily make us feel good if you try and put the sand into that jar there's going to be no room for the for the pebbles or the stones if you put a lot of the pebbles in, you'll fit some sand, but you probably won't fit, fit a lot of the stones in. So the most important thing for me is to put the stones in first. So make sure that the stones, the important things are the things that are look, looked after first. And then start to fill the jar up with some pebbles and some sand. But at the end of the day, if you have at least one thing that you've done that is something that, you know, something that's in your heart that makes you feel better that makes you connect better with your children or taking time for yourself you're going to have a better day at the end of it so for me instead of looking at my day so before I go to bed I write down three things that I'm going to do and they're never things like do the shopping or do the laundry or do this because those things will always get done somehow I'll focus on something like um go out for a walk on your own today um take a picnic to the park, um, get to bed early because you're tired, read a book, um, have a call, give your mom a call. So it's things that I know are going to really make me feel good and nurture myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think the reason I really loved it was that without kind of actually considering it too much, when I went back to work with Alice, um, 
I would normally have worked like a full-time five-day-a-week job and I didn't want to spend I felt like okay I'm only off for two days you know Saturday and Sunday and I was like I don't want to spend all of my weekend doing like the jobs and then having no time to actually kind of refill our cups with, with like yeah. you said adventures so and it's a very fortunate position to be in so I decided I was going to use my parental leave for Fridays um, while they were so young and I had the time with them before they kind of go to school um, so on Fridays I now do all of like the, the jobs that have to be done and then I was like at least then I can look ahead to Saturday and Sunday and spend those days actually doing the stuff that make us thrive as a family and the stuff that we value which is kind of going for walks and going to the beach and yeah. arts and crafts and like that you just feel so much better to feel like okay yeah, I've been all gone all week and it's been a really busy because even when you come home from work you know like Monday to Friday it's hectic because you're like getting yeah. dinners on getting kids bathed getting everyone to bed and you know that's just very like you know and I'm, I'm sure when they get older and everything everyone becomes a bit more self-sufficient that your evenings <laughs> can get longer and kids aren't in bed at seven o'clock so the weekend was kind of like this really high value time and like that you can feel that it's can become almost like a pressure pot because you try and get so much into it mm. um but i just think that analogy of going right what is the core things that i mm. want to achieve here and like that the laundry washing up and the tidying you know they're the things that you can slot in around the big things to add value to your life and add mm. happiness to your life so i just loved it it just made so mm. so much sense to me it's a really nice um method and, and also, this is after nine years of parenting, you know, I mean, I certainly didn't know a lot of this stuff, but I guess how I've come to where I am now is because of the struggles that I've had. I mean, I remember like trying to manage, you know, all the things with having the kids young and having childminders and working full time as a teacher. And I remember like I just couldn't get through the washing. And I remember saying to my husband, OK, at the weekend, we're going to prioritize washing. And he was like, what are you, what? I'm not working Monday to Friday to have the weekend and prioritize washing. That's crazy. And I think in my head, I was focused so much on it. And now I don't focus on it, but it still gets done. Yeah. And it, it, when I do my, I do a lot of parenting workshops and I talk about things that we do when we, we're managing a young family. I mean, some of the things we do is we drown in it. So we just drown in the mess and the clutter and, and it's more the mental clutter of all this. I need to do this and I need to do that. Like I remember I'd wake up and my heart would be racing thinking of all the things that I would have to do until bedtime that night. So you can imagine getting out of bed and feeling like that. It was just an awful way to start the day. I was snappy and irritable and, and, and the thing about it was, was so, so we drown in the stuff. Another thing we do is then we can battle it. So we can like, you know, I, I know there's times when I've wanted to take a photograph of my empty wash basket, you know, just for the yeah. whole thing of, yes, I've done it. And I remember it dawned on me one day and I said, hang on, when that washing basket is empty, my kids are going to have, they're going to be moved out of this house and they're going to be gone and so it's not an aim of mine to empty that wash basket it does happen from time to time so we battle it we drown it or we ignore it that's another thing that we can do we can just pretend that it's not happening we can turn a blind eye but yet every time we see these things or we see you know the messy playroom or we see the, the kitchen cupboards that need to be cleared out we ignore it but it really has such an impact on us because we're it, every time we see it it irritates us mm -hmm. so what I would say to people I'm sure you can identify yourself in all of them because I am all three of them you know all yeah. the time 
But what I would say to people is embrace the chaos because chaos is happening anyway. So you may as well embrace it and enjoy it. And as we spoke earlier there about, you know, peppering your life and peppering your day with all these gorgeous adventures, you know, story time, sitting out on a chair in the back garden, having a cuddle, sitting down to watch a movie. It makes the other stuff, it's almost like, you know, you've got two balloons and one balloon is filled with all the stuff that I have to do and your thoughts around it. And then the other balloon is filled with all the kind of nice stuff and all, do you remember back in the days before you had kids and, you know, you imagine this Disney vibe of having kids and do you remember those days? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> skipping off into the sunset and you're saying to your husband I love you so much and you know we know that that's not true <laughs> you know that this whole idea of how it's going to be we know yeah. how hard it is it's beautiful and it's messy and it's confusing and it's amazing so it's about really letting the air out of that negative balloon and filling up the air of the good balloon and I suppose then when it comes to sort of parenting issues it's when you've kind of got the good connections there with with your children and you're having the fun times then when you're reprimanding them or you know you're you're having that battle of putting them to bed if you can kind of put your hand on your heart and say okay in a whole day 10% of it was difficult or 15% or 30% but it wasn't a bad day and I think that's what happens we tend to focus on the struggle of bashing them into a car seat or the argument at meal times, or the bedtime battle, but we forget about all the really nice stuff in between. So it's really up to us to try and drop these little nuggets of gold in our day, and that's by focusing on on the stones. And I spoke about my stones, but every family has different stones. They have different interests. They have different ideas of what happiness is. So again, it's asking yourself. Before I had a family, what are the things that I wanted to do? And what have I forgotten about? And it's not just even about doing it with your family, doing it for yourself. You know, what are the things that I, like there are 168 hours in a week and there has to be out of those 168 hours, it has to be okay to say, well, I'm going to take one hour a week to myself or 10 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day that it's just going to be for me that I'm not mommy or I'm not the, the wife or the husband or whatever it is. And just to kind of reconnect into to the things that you enjoy to energize yourself. Because again, it's like that balloon. If you're feeling deflated and drained, you're going to be argumentative. You're going to be irritable. You're going to be snappy. Whereas when you're filling your own cup, and this is something that I do religiously every week, I call it my date with me. And nobody is invited to that. It's just me. And a few times I've been tempted to take my, my sons along because they're kind of, you know, they're that bit older. But I'm sort of saying, no, I, I need this time. Um, and it's just with lockdown, I'm really looking forward to when things open up that I can go to other places. But at the minute, it's I go somewhere on my own for a walk and I go for coffee and I don't bring any books or I don't listen to podcasts. But it's just a chance for me to completely reflect and to have fun. And I do things I like to do. I love, you know, climbing on um when I say climbing on trees, I love getting down beside rivers and I love sitting by rivers and I love walking in forests. And and they're the things that I enjoy. Everybody is different, but it's about finding the things that you love and and getting back into that person that you were before you had kids because your kids are not always going to be around and you don't want to be, you know, like 18 years, in 18 years time that you're sort of saying, Jesus, that was a whirlwind who yeah. the hell am I? You know, who yeah. am I? Where's the last 18 years gone? So I'm really, really passionate about that. And like a lot of people that I coach, they they are 
afraid to take that time they feel the guilt um of of taking that time of you know what will people think and why can't i cope and i was really like this was one of the issues with me was that i would only take that time when i was completely stressed out like i remember one evening my husband came home from work and he was he'd been busy and it was dark and i had just had a nightmare day or what i thought was a nightmare day it might have been like a bad 15 or 20 minutes and he came in and i went and, and i had said to him i want to go down for coffee the co- <laughs> the starbucks beside us used to be open till 10 o'clock so i said i, I need to go out and then when he came in, I, I burst into tears and said, I can't go out. I can't go out. I said, I'm just so stressed and I'm just, there's so much to do and I'm never going to get to the end of it. And he said to me, you need, you need to go out now. But what was happening with me was I was only taking time for myself when I was totally depleted, when I needed yeah. that fix. Whereas now what I do, I take that time before I get stressed, even though I do get stressed. But what I mean is, is it's like almost not letting yourself get down into the red. Yeah. Re- replenishing your energy having a bit of a laugh and then when you come back you're so much more refreshed than for everybody else it's kind of giving yourself the permission to give yourself that time like i know myself and my husband are really bad for it like we it's like you feel like oh every moment of your day you should spend it with your kids and and, yeah. and i would say to him and he'd say to me you know you you know you can you don't have to take them on a walk for you i'll like we can do our thing and you can just you know head away for an hour and go for a walk or you know do whatever you need to do um but it's giving yourself that permission to go you don't need to spend a hundred percent of your time Mm -hmm. with your family and that's okay because to nurture yourself you you kind Mm. of need that alone time to to do that and to kind of let your mind slowly come down and you know, if you think about a car, like if you permanently ran your car in the red of mm. needing a petrol and diesel and you're just throwing fumes into it and then you're going to, you put it back up to like, you put 20 quid into it and then it's back down again. And so without actually nur- like doing a proper time out in a way, you get like the richness of the, the time. So it could be still an hour outside the house, but on your own, it's such a better value for you to replenish yourself versus you with the kids or you and your husband and like you yeah. know it's a uh, and the uh, bad news is is that nobody is going to give you permission yeah nobody is going to hand you a, a a voucher for a spa and say off you go for the day or you know your husband probably won't say to you, take time because they're in their own world and they're trying to manage their own stuff as well but the good news is is that we are the adults we get to decide what how our life is and you know, you are allowed to give yourself permission. So many of my clients say, oh, I need permission. I say, well, here you go. I'm giving you the gift. You have the permission. And I suppose something that really shocks people into taking the time is asking yourself, like I know your daughter, Alice, like someday she may be a mom and ask yourself the question, would I be happy if Alice was living her life the way I'm living my life? Would my life be good enough for Alice? And if the answer is no, then it's time to make some changes because our children are watching us we are going to be the role models for them when they have their children and especially for my sons as well i want them to see that it's okay for 
moms to have their own business it's okay for mom to go away for the weekend with their friends if they want to it's okay for mom to say i'm sitting down and i am not moving until this coffee is gone that you you know you're showing them because you know kids as much as we love them they're like leeches and they'll just take and take and take and i don't know about you but when i'm putting my little fella to bed it's like one more kiss and one more hug and one more yeah, glass of water one more book. and it's so one more book and it's okay to say no enough is enough it's mommy's time it's mommy's time now mommy has to go and relax I've been busy all day and you know there's times when I'm sitting out and I love being out in the back garden I'm sitting there at my book and they're you know crawling on top of you and there's elbows in the face and there's elbows in the tummy and they want to cuddle up and sometimes I just have to say no mommy just needs her time now and it's it's really really hard to do because they just want you but also we're teaching them the skills of being independent as well of playing on their own and you know figuring things out themselves and and entertaining themselves and I remember a lady in work years ago said to me when I was saying to her about just being overwhelmed she said why don't you just do what your mom did and like you know I'm 39 now so like anyone who's in around the same age as me I suppose the moms were I don't know, somewhat similar. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Um, she cleaned the house every day. There was always meals for us, uh, lovely home-cooked meals and just a lovely, cosy sense in the house. But I don't remember her playing with us a lot. Like, she did her things and my dad did his things and, and we we played ourselves. Like, I remember disappearing up into my room and playing with my fancy paper and, and, and reading. I was a big reader. So, you know, sometimes we're allowed, we're, we're afraid to allow our children to be bored. And what's that going to say then? It's like they, they require constant stimulation and mm-hmm. entertainment and what's in it for me. So we just have to be careful of, I, I think that question really, really makes us look at ourselves and say, well, you know, is this okay for my child? And if not, why not? And what can I do to improve it? And it's not about changing th- things dramatically and saying, okay, like starting from Saturday, I'm heading off out of here for five hours. It's saying, well, if you're giving yourself no time, could you start with 10 minutes? Could you start with 10 minutes every day? And people often say, well, I don't have time. And you're saying, well, how, how long are you spending hoovering your house? Or how long are you spending on the washing? And I know that all those things need to be done, but the expectations that we have of ourselves are absolutely crazy. Like, you know, we all have to have the Instagram house and we all have to be fit and we all have to have the best fashion and we have to have our makeup done. And, you know, it's absolutely, totally unrealistic. And when we don't achieve those, that that perfect idea of what a good mom or good parent is, we feel like we're not enough. And then that's when the guilt creeps in. And like guilt is an absolute huge one for parents that yeah. you know they can't take time and I remember one time listening again to um to a podcast or a parenting slot and I remember them saying that you know it's actually good for you to go out with your partner or your husband or your wife to go out for a meal and it's good for your kids and I remember this was kind of shocking to me because I remember thinking oh my God, like I used to really judge people who took a lot of time away from the kids because I remember thinking, oh, they can't cope or they obviously are asking for help because they can't cope. So it was like a badge of honor for me. Don't ask for help because people would think that you can't cope. And I remember specifically one summer and my son was seven, so it's only two years ago. I remember saying to my husband and actually admitting to him, I'm a bit stressed because I used to sort of pretend, oh no, I'm fine and I'm a great parent and I can manage this and this is easy for me. But really, I was just afraid to admit that it was hard. 
and I suppose amongst my circle of friends now there's 10 of us that are very close friends and it's a huge gift because some of them now are still having new babies and they're starting their families and we're very supportive and we laugh about you know we love the kids but it, it's absolutely essential to take a break it's okay to take up babysitters or you know ask your parents to mind them and again you come back with that sort of replenished feeling and you're laughing and you remember who you were before you had kids you talk about stories that you know maybe nights out and things like that so it really is about I wouldn't even say putting yourself first but it's that sense of saying you know me too I'm important too I'm in the pot because I think as moms we put everybody else first we put our partners first we put our kids first and then when the kids go to bed there's absolutely no energy in the evening time we're just completely depleted and it's like turning on Netflix having a glass of wine eating crisps and chocolate and then falling into bed and waking up and doing it all again and you know it just it's um yeah it's 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 it is difficult that taking permission so it's 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 a constant learning process though i suppose and and as you go through it you realize when you look back it's easy now to look back and say well this is going on or that was going on but it's really about being kind to yourself and saying i am doing the very best i am proud you know what what and, and asking yourself well what went well today you know, do you remember that time when you had a giggle or your son sang a little song or your, your daughter gave you a little kiss? And and then saying to yourself, well, what could I improve? Instead of saying, oh, I'm a bad mother or I shout at my kids or, you know, I, I completely went off the wall when they were watching too much television or whatever it was. Saying to yourself, well, what went well and what could I improve for tomorrow? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's a great idea. And that, that example that you touched on of the kids going to bed, coming down and watching Netflix and, and kind of, it's the the you time like how would someone even start about using that time for themselves because i suppose a lot of us would look at that time going oh but that is me doing something for myself you know the watching the netflix and the also you probably have your phone in your hand and you're scrolling so it's probably it is time for yourself but is it really replenishing you probably not you know how do you get out of that to, to use that time more wisely for yourself Yes. Um, and I'll go back to my good friend, Ray Darcy, a personal friend of mine. <laughs> and I remember when Adam was small, I sent him a message and the message said something like, hi, Ray, um, I'm a parent here to an eight month old. Just wondering what do parents do in the evening time? And he, you know, I said, I'm kind of fed up watching television all the time. So he read it out on a show and he kind of laughed it off. And he said, you know, we're all just falling asleep on the couch and watching television. But I guess for me, I kind of, I felt bored because I felt like I was busy running around after everyone else during the day. And just when it got to my time, which Mm -hmm. probably would have been about half seven or eight, I would kind of sit on the couch and watch TV. And I just sort of felt like I got to this reward time, but it wasn't really a reward for me. And again, it's just about knowing yourself. Like maybe for you sitting down and watching Netflix every night of the week is what you want and what you need. And that's me time and that's fine. But something that I really believe in is know yourself. Like what is it that you really love? And for me, it was, is what are the things that I could spend my time on? So I love lists. I'm always making lists. So this was sort of the start of getting to know Rachel, as I call it. So I used to write down what are the things that I enjoy. So I I really enjoy reading. Um, I enjoyed going down to the library. I enjoyed going out for walks with my friends. Um, I enjoyed uh, bubble baths. I enjoyed journaling. I enjoyed YouTube videos or TED Talks. Um, 
all these kind of different things that sort of replenish me so that when it came to time, I'd say, okay, well, maybe between eight and nine, I'll do some of those things. And then I can plonk on the couch afterwards if I want to. So again, it's sort of saying to yourself, what are the things that I enjoy? Maybe it's, maybe you're interested in art. Maybe you're, you know, you want to do an online class. And I suppose when I started building in that time for myself and, and, you know, you mentioned the phone, the phone is like, if you think people would say, oh, I don't have time to this. I don't have time to that. I feel like I don't spend a lot of time on my phone. And even when I look at the data on my phone of how much time I've spent, I'm always shocked. So something that I do is, is I have all these little tricks that I do that because your phone wants you to be addicted. It wants you to keep checking. I will actually stick it on airplane mode or I'll put it, if I'm downstairs, I'll put it upstairs because if it's beside me, I'm going to keep checking it. And, you know, it, it it's just the way it is with the phone. So it's, I suppose, being mindful with your time. And I remember one of my friends and she had her baby, she was onto me and she was saying, God, you know, like, how do you get all the stuff done? And, you know, my son goes down for sleep and he's down for an hour. How do you get it all done? And I very simply said to her, I don't, I don't yeah. get it all done. So when my kids were up, I would sort of prioritize. I'd say, okay, I've got an hour. So for the first, and I learned to do this wisely, the first half an hour was for me because if they woke up, at least I wouldn't be missing the me time, you know, because before, and again, Pamela, it's learning through like, you know, learning through, true mistakes because yeah. my husband would bring the two boys out for two hours and he'd come home and he'd say did you enjoy that two hours to yourself and I'd be like well I did the hoovering and I prepared the dinner and I'm after cleaning the windows and he was like you fool like this is for you to relax but I you know I had to do it the wrong way to figure out the right way so again getting back to my friend I would say to her if you've got an hour so the first half an hour um, and again, if you want to turn on the TV for that half an hour, go and do it. But for me, it was like a cup of coffee. Yeah. I'd light a candle. I would stick on my like lovely, um, oh, the aromatherapy. Uh, I can't remember the name. You know, the thing that, that squirts out the lovely uh, lavender smells. Yeah. There's a word on that. Like a diffuser? It's, it's it diff- that's exactly it. Yeah, that's it. I can't blame it on baby brain. It's not baby brain. So a diffuser. And I would sit there with my book and I would just be in heaven. And I was like, oh my God, like this is my time. And then I'd say, okay, half an hour is up. I'm going to unload the dishwasher and I'm going to stick on a wash. Or yeah. I'm going to clean the windows. I was going to pick one thing that I would do that would help the house or something that was bothering me. I would do that. So again, that was in the middle of the day. It's the same in the even time. Like it is easy to sit down and watch Netflix for two hours, but maybe you could say to yourself, but you know what? I'm going to have a bath and get into my pajamas and I'm going to do a little meditation for 15 minutes. And then I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch something that I really want to watch. I would do the same thing. If they go to sleep for an hour um, and it's rare now both of them would sleep at the same time, but sometimes there's an overlap. For me, it's to get the cup of tea in. So I'm like, okay, yes. if I get the cup of tea in and I'll just sit at the bench and look out the window and I get 20 minutes or 25 minutes and it, then if they wake up or both of them or one of them wake up, I kind of feel like, well, at least I've gotten that 20 minutes to myself because when they're up, I can I can still stick a wash on. I can still get the dishwasher emptied. Um, yes. But that 20 minutes has given me the time to kind of like switch off and let my brain just relax and there's nobody yeah. calling my name for the millionth time and there's no yes you know there's nothing <laughs> um nothing else like stimulating you can just relax um yes. yeah and that it, it's it's it actually does give you that kind of like midday recharge that, to kind of that taps you up then to get you through until bedtime 
Yeah, it's all about recharging the batteries and something that I have done and I only started today for the first, you see Pamela, you brought out all the good things in me and you might be on tonight. So it's like, what are the things that actually work? Because I don't claim to be perfect, a perfect parent at all. I'm very much figuring it out as I go along. But something that I absolutely love is my morning routine. And when I was in work, I'd have to get up at six and I had an hour to myself every morning before the kids woke up. It was absolutely amazing. Now, today I got up at seven because they're not waking up till eight because we're on our, our, our Easter holidays. And it is so hard to get out of the bed. But what I would do at that time, I would do my meditation. I might do journaling. I might do a little bit of, of coaching work, maybe emails or something that I want to do. Sometimes I might do a little bit of exercise like or a yoga thing on YouTube. And like... It's just so much different than the kids coming up and saying, Mammy, can you get out of bed? Or I'm hungry, or I need to do a wee wee, or all the things that they, they, they're pulling out of you when you open your eyes. Whereas when I'm downstairs and they come down, I am like just totally zenned out of it. So ready for the day. And yes, it means getting up early. But what I was doing was, I was staying up late. So that hour in the evening, like let's say from say, I don't know, half 10 till half past 11, all I was getting out of that hour at night time was more food and more rubbishy television that yeah. I was kind of, you know, because I was, you know, the way when you're so tired, you don't want to go to bed. Totally. So you just sit there. What is that? That is the worst. Bed. It's the, I'm so it, bad for that. And I hate it. And I hate the fact that I do it. But it's kind of like, it's like, well, I'm the parent, so I can stay up really yes. late. And it's no good yeah. to you. Like, there's no goodness in that, like, half nine to half, the half ten to half eleven. Yeah. But yet... If you were to go to bed at half 10, the goodness of yeah. that hour between half 10 and half 11 asleep is so much better than sitting on the couch. And yet I find myself every night plodding up the stairs yeah. at like quarter past 11 going, why did I yes. not do this an hour ago? And if you fall asleep on the couch like, and then you wake up like an absolute rat, then you're like, <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe I fell asleep, you know, and then you're storming up, stomping up the stairs so for me, it's like I took off that hour at that time and and placed it at the the next morning, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I'm still getting the same amount of, of hours. And that hour in the morning is so much more valuable, so much more energetic, so much more of a gift to me than the hour at night time. So I can see when you were saying, how do you carve out time for yourself in the evening time? You actually might be too tired to do it. But by, by just considering doing it in the morning time, and I was surprised the amount of people that actually do get up very early in the morning is, um, you know, it's re I thought I was kind of the only one. I was really proud of myself getting up. But actually, it's it's just something. And when I got up this morning, I said to my husband, oh, my God, I love this. So the, re the way I get up in the morning is at 10 o'clock, I set an alarm saying, you want to have an amazing morning, time to go to bed. Yeah. And that's kind of what prompts me to get up the next morning. But it's all these kind of, again, dropping these little things. It's like when we're so busy and overwhelmed and stressed, we can feel like we're just getting to the next thing, getting to the next thing, running on the hamster wheel. But it's about stopping and starting to take control. What are the things? And I, I suppose for me, it was like on the outside, my life looks completely the same. But on the inside, I feel so much calmer I feel so much happier in myself I feel like you know a regular Monday that I would have complained about the weather or the traffic or the washing maybe five or six years ago now I feel like oh my god like I sat out in the back garden had my cup of coffee and um 
we read three stories to Luke before he went to bed or I took one of the boys down to the village for a walk or whatever it is it's it's a different focus and I can feel myself sometimes slipping back into the old mode like I'm saying oh my god the place is in bits or this needs to be done and I can bring myself back down into my heart and sort of say to myself hang on that stuff isn't really that important yes it needs to be done but there's so many more important things than having an empty wash basket yeah and creating that habit of going to bed early and getting up or whichever way you know you want to build in that time for yourself i found Mm -hmm. this was back in october like the evenings were getting darker and the mornings were dark and i i needed to kind of get things moving so i got into i really set my mind into this going to bed at half 10 and but it it took me restructuring the whole evening to kind of get things done so I could go to bed at half 10 so I could get up at six so I used to get up before the kids to get like a half an hour 40 minute class in exercise class in Uh, it was just it was amazing because the house is quiet I got to do it on my own without any interruptions or anyone coming in looking for food and then when they got up (laughs) I was like I had it done and like my mind was clear then I could kind of I wasn't trying to squeeze it in during the day um, I had already kind of, I had already got it into the day, but it did take time and practice to yes. build it in. Like it didn't happen overnight, and I had to be really conscious of going. Okay, well, you know, Peter, I'm going to have to like make sure bottles are washed and the dishwasher is turned on, and that those little jobs that you might leave till the end of the evening actually just do them and get them over with, so that. I can get to bed at half time. I can get up again in the morning. Mm. Um, it's not, I found for myself, it wasn't something that I could just click in overnight that it took mm. practice and, and being conscious of it to go, you, you know, try and squeeze in this half an hour here of jobs. Like Ben is home. The two kids are in with him. He, they don't need me in there as well. Um, so mm. use that half an hour to, you know, tidy up the kitchen and then that job is done. And then, you know, that freeze, that takes in half an hour extra in the evening that you can do for something else um because i'm sure people are kind of like but how do you you know but it it's it takes practice like any new skill or new any new habit it's 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 kind of formation the habit of getting it in and it is rewarding and it's so worth you know replanning or readjusting your day to get it in um yeah and a part as well of what you do rachel is like providing parenting tips and one thing you touched on was like the positive, negative, positive. It's like a sandwich approach when you're yes. talking to your kids and telling them what you want them to do and not what you don't want them to do, um, which yes. I feel like right now, all like, poor Peter, he's nine months and I was saying to you, he's like, he's crawling, he's touching everything. And like, if, if he could understand me, I feel like all I say to Molly is don't touch that. No, Peter, no, 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 not that corner. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah. at least with Alice she's at the age now where she's got great communication she can understand but you, d- I, I laugh when I saw you talking about that parenting tip because you do kind of go oh don't do that and it's it's just it's it's kind of like ingrained in you and I was like god I must catch myself to kind of correct yeah. myself to kind of turn it on its head yeah yeah and, and apparently I've read research that said children hear no up to 400 times per day which I wasn't too shocked because, <laughs> you know, uh, we have this great rule in school because um, I am a primary school teacher as well. And it's uh, kind feet, kind hands, kind words. And I love it because it kind of it pretty much covers everything. And it's that sense of you're telling them what you want them to do. 
Um, and I suppose, you know, my children actually say to my younger son, don't hit me. They have this joke. They say to him, don't hit me. And, and he will do that specific thing. It's like, you know, they will do whatever you don't want them to do. But it's something that I would use for my kids. I love to build their independence. I love, even sometimes it can drive you crazy because they're saying, oh, I want to make, I'll make the breakfast and the place is upside down. But I always try to build their independence and get them to do things that they can do for themselves because oftentimes you know we're still dressing them and we're still feeding them because again we're rushing to the next thing whether mm-hmm. it's to get out the door but really it's you know giving them the information like uh, like we were down on the beach there in the summertime and again instead of saying stop going into the water your runners are going to get wet can you stay away from the edge can you do this can you do that and you say no 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 all the time they said to me, can I get into the water? And I said, well, yeah, you can get in, but you know, your shoes will get wet and you'll have wet shoes. So they said, okay. So they took off their shoes and they said, well, can we, we can definitely get into the water. Can we, mom? And I said, yeah. I said, but I don't have towels. So you're kind of, you're, you're laying it out for them, but you're letting them make the decision. So they wanted to get in the water, but they knew they had no towels. If I had to say to them, don't get into the water with no towels, what would they have done? They would have went into the water. So I just said to them, don't get into the water. We have no towels. So they got into the water anyway. They got wet and then they came they came out. Mommy, we have no towels. And I said, yeah, I know. I told you that. So you're sort of telling them things and you're letting them make their own choices. It's like, can I jump in a puddle? Yeah, you can jump in the puddle. But if you do that, you'll get wet. You know, because yeah. I think we try to micromanage them. We're telling them what to do all the time. Um, and again, giving them choices. Like sometimes my son will say, oh, can I have two stories? And, you know, you read the two stories and it's kind of three stories. So my thing is, is, OK, we're reading one story tonight. But do you want this one or do you want that one? You get to choose. So you're giving them that little bit of independence. And again, it's trying to reduce down the conflict, picking your battles Um you know, they want to feel in control. They want to feel like they're in charge. So you're giving them that sense. Um, you, you mentioned about the yes, no, yes sandwich, like even something like, um, and we would use this a lot for parent-teacher meetings, give them the bad news and then the good news and then the bad, no, sorry, it's actually the other way around. The good news, the bad news is in the middle and then the good news. So I remember using this when my son was in the park and he didn't want to go. So I said to him, we need to leave the park now. And he was like, no, I don't want to leave the park. And I said to him, we need to go because we have to go and have dinner, but we can come back tomorrow and tomorrow you can play in the park again. So you're telling them what's going to happen. We need to leave. That's the thing that's going to happen. He's saying no. You're saying so you're saying back to him, I know you don't want to go. So that's kind of the negative part. I know you don't want to go, but we have to have dinner. And then this the positive part of the sandwich is, but we can come back tomorrow and play again. So you're kind of giving them the information but you're getting them back on side and that kind of distracts them and then hopefully will help them to to comply with what you want them to do but it's using all these little tips and tricks and um you know the same thing with telling them what you want them to do like the dinner table can be a battleground for a lot of people so you're saying things and you're giving them specific praise and so instead of saying good girl or good boy you're saying you know i really like how you're using your fork oh my god you look so grown up today or look at how you're eating your vegetables that's amazing you did a really good job and I love how you're sitting properly and oftentimes if you can see one now I know Pamela your children are a little bit young for this but if you if you see one and they're doing a good job and you see the other one isn't use the one that's doing the good job to say oh my god Ryan I really like how you're sitting on your chair and then the other one 
will see what's going on and usually they will imitate the behavior. Oh, listen, they're nine months, yeah. two and a half. The amount of times I've said to Alice, look how great Peter is at eating his dinner. Isn't he really good? Because there's honestly yeah. days where I feel like the nine month old eats more than the two and a, two and a half month old because she's just yeah. entertaining. She's singing, she's bursting the song and you're just looking at her going, oh, please eat your dinner. So no, like, yes, they're both very young, but no, I still, I do praise him for his ability to eat his dinner um Mm -hmm. when she's just kind of chatting away and playing with her dinner yeah and the natural reaction is to go to can you just eat your dinner can you stop messing can you stop singing can you just sit down on your chair it's the natural thing because we're irritable and we go to that but when you go to the positive you're keeping the atmosphere a lot lighter a lot more specific i mean I heard something recently and it said that when children are looking for attention, they're actually craving connection. So oftentimes children don't mind if it's good attention or bad attention. As long as you're paying some sort of attention to them, they, you know, they they would be happy to do whatever they need to do. So you're trying to give them the good attention, the positive reinforcements, the little reminders, the little clues um, to just help them because they do have a lot to remember. And it can be difficult and especially sometimes when they get tired and you know especially the younger ones they need the naps and things like that so it is hard for them to remember but um yeah I mean there are things that I would have used in the classroom down through the years that have really really worked and again it's trying to maintain those positive good connections good communication so that you feel like you're not on their back or nagging all the time which we can definitely fall into certainly for me anyway oh I know absolutely now Rachel I know you're really looking forward to this part where I ask you three questions (laughs) yes I am so the first one what would you tell your pregnant self um what would I tell I would tell my pregnant self that you can still be a mommy and need a break because I think I was so afraid to take a break. I was so afraid to ask for help. I was afraid that I would look like that I, I couldn't cope. So I would say to Rachel, you love your kids. You're an amazing man, but it's okay to take a break. It's okay to go off for coffee on your own. It's okay to meet your friends. It's okay to give out about your kids. That's okay too. It doesn't mean that you don't love them, but really, to not run yourself into the ground that's what I did to not run yourself into the ground and and the problem I suppose was was that I thought that this was normal that that's what you were meant to do when you were a mom yeah um but you know if there are any listeners there that are moms and are running themselves into the ground which I suppose most of us are it's okay to take a break and it's okay to have a messy kitchen it's okay to have loads of washing piling up look after yourself and mind yourself because you know you are the most important thing and if you're not looking after yourself you will not be able to look after your children properly or yourself or your partner or your parents or whoever you have leaning on you so that really is in a nutshell the thing that kept coming up for me you know yeah absolutely and what one product could you not live without my journal which is a notebook and sparkly pens. I have a lovely (laughs) sparkly pencil case and I buy pens all the time, but I really journal all the time. I journal in the morning time, I journal in the evening time. It's a chance for me to sort of self-reflect on the day. Um, 
every night I write down what went well. It's not a diary, so it, it would be reflecting on what went well, what did I learn about myself, what could I do better, and uh, maybe something that excited me. Maybe I was a little bit tired, and I'll say, right, tomorrow I need to slow it down a little bit, or you know, make sure to get your meditation in, or take more deep breaths during the day. Like I find even deep breathing is a huge gift. So really, I suppose I my first gratitude diary I started back in 2015, and I've really been doing a lot of journaling since then I mean if if anyone ever comes into our house and has a read they'll find out all my deepest darkest secrets but it's just a way um I remember on Christmas day this year we were supposed to go and visit my parents um for the day and just with with COVID and everything like that we end up canceling the day before and I remember feeling like upset and lonely and disappointed and I just got out the journal and I just kept writing and writing and writing and just how I was feeling and by the end of it I just felt like a completely different person so it's just giving yourself that space it's almost like talking to a friend or you know I mean it's just and when you read back on it and sometimes you don't even need to read back on it sometimes you can rip it up and throw it in the bin but it's getting the thoughts out of your head and onto a page I just find it really really helpful and what has been your magic moment my magic moment well i'm uh, my i'm holding my magic moment in my hand and it's not one of my children by the way (laughs) (laughs) i am a massive reader i absolutely love love reading and i read all um non-fiction now it's a lot of it's personal development books and spiritual books and coaching books but i had forgotten as most parents forget the things they enjoy. And one of the things that I loved was going to the library. And I was walking by the, um, just walking by the shelves and I had Adam in the buggy. He was only a few months at the time. And I came across this book called The Happiness Project. And it was the very first book that I picked up that was to do with personal development. And it was by a lady called Gretchen Rubin. And I would urge anybody who's listened to this to go and buy that book. And the happiness project was all about a lady who who had this realization one day that life was passing her by. And she has this saying that the days are long, but the years are short. And it was that realization that she was just kind of getting to the next day, the next holiday and rushing, rushing, rushing. And on paper, she was pretty happy. You know, she had a nice husband and, you know, a good job and her kids were healthy. And she, you know, she lived in New York. She liked where she lived, but she had a feeling that she could do better. So this book is really what she decided to do was take a theme each month and create small little habits and rituals around it to make her life um, a little bit better. And it was the first time that I realized that I actually have control over my life. I have a say in how my life is. I get to design my life and I absolutely just love it. And some of the ideas are simple things like, um, you know, sing in the shower buy yourself fresh flowers and, you know, treat yourself. Sometimes, you know, we're very mean with ourselves. It's something that I do is I buy like a magazine. Sometimes I would never have really bought magazines, but this, the country magazines, I just love flicking through it. I buy myself books and, you know, throw out old clothes that, you know, smarten up your wardrobe, but they're not big life-changing things. They're things that the ordinary everyday person can do and the, in the book is is the list of her things. But what it would suggest for you to do is to find your own things. But they're all real doable stuff. And every time I look at this, it just reminds me of who Rachel was when I was probably 31 years old and um, a little bit lost. And um, and here I am now, a parent coach, which is totally bizarre, but absolutely amazing. 
Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your answers to those two questions. But the whole podcast, I think it um, would add some serious value to everyone. And there's so much thought-provoking ideas and concepts that people can take home and you know try and adapt their day and adapt their family values to go back to the core of what they want their family to be about uh, so thank you so much it's been my absolute pleasure pamela i could talk with this all night long and my main message to parents is just be kind to yourself you're doing your very very best and best of luck with your parenting and thank you so much for having me on pamela it's been an absolute pleasure and a joy to share what i believe in thank you so much Thank you for listening to today's episode of For All Mankind. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you would like to send me a message, please email forallmankind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram. And see you in the next episode of the podcast. Gardner Family Apothecary are the official sponsors of For All Mankind podcast. Caring for your sensitive skin with the Elav and Oval solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel's Silcox base to Elav's Sensitive Beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of their news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro.